The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. If you could see what I once was If you could go with me Back to where I started from Then I know you would see Take your Bible to Ephesians Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, book written to the folks at Ephesus, chapter 1, verse 1 through 9. I want to take you into the throne room of God for a few minutes this morning. The message title is The Seven Pillars in the Throne Room of God. There is a lot of the Bible that is encouraging to you and to me as a believer, but it won't do you any good if you don't. Read it, amen. You got to get there. You got to read it. And there's nothing like reading it for yourself and having the Holy Spirit show you these kinds of things. The Bible says it is God's will to use the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. There is something also special about hearing the preached word. There's something special about reading the Bible and the Holy Spirit, the way He interacts with you as you read it. There's also something very special about hearing the preached word and the way the Holy Spirit interacts with you as the word is preached. Also, and as there, is a, there is a different ways that God comes to you. He uses nature, uh, Psalm 19, to show you himself. He shows the sunsets to you to show you some of his architectural design and beauty and his uh, magnificence and what he does. His painting being a good example. Of, of what he does for us and just throws it out there. If you want to look at it, fine. If you don't, when I started diving, I was shocked at what the rest, most of the rest of you never see. I, what I was shocked for is I felt sad for you that you didn't get to see what God had made under the ocean for millennium that almost nobody got to see except till 1948, Jacques Cousteau. Jacques Cousteau invented the scuba diving equipment. Now, there were hoses before that and, and iron hats and all of that, but that was very, very hard to do and commercial. But Jacques Cousteau made a mobile device called the, uh, the uh, regulator, and you were able to put a tank on your back, and, which ended up being weightless when you went in the water pretty much, and go and, and see it for yourself. And I, I took, let me say this, I took full advantage of the opportunity of technology to look at what, but when I saw what God made under the ocean, I just oftentimes would come up to a coral head and stop and just in awe watch the hundreds of forms of life move around and move about. And I thought they were doing that 6,000 years ago. And God made that for his own pleasure and for his own, but it's just to manifest who he is. We have yet to scratch the surface of who God is. We say, well, I've known God. I've walked with God a while. Brother, the good is, the, the greater part of it all is still ahead of you and I as born-again Christians. Wow. As we go through this room, 
Let's read, first of all, the first nine verses. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, underline the words, if you would, who hath blessed us, circle the word us, with all spiritual blessings, where? In heavenly places in Christ. According as he hath chosen us, underline that, he hath chosen us, circle us, in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestinated us, underline predestinated and circle us, under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us, circle or underline made and circle us, accepted in the beloved, in whom we, circle the word we, and then underline, have redemption, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Praise God, it's sins. According to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us, underline abounded toward, and circle the word us, in all wisdom and prudence. Having made known unto us, underline made known unto, and circle, if you were, would, the word us. So having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. Father, now come, override the humanity of this, or use it how you would. But in the end of everything, please... Lift up Jesus Christ and your name. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's enter for a few minutes into the very throne room of God together. Let us listen carefully with our ears of what God is trying to tell us through these few verses. Let all your misinformation, and you are and I typically are loaded with misinformation about who God is. The world and the internet and TV and radio and what your mom and pa and grandpa and grandpa and aunt and uncles and neighbors and everybody else said to you most of the time is not according to the Bible. And if it's not according to the Bible, it's misinformation. What is misinformation? That's a fancy word for it's a lie. It's a lie. Misinformation is strewn and sown all over this place called the world. And God's book is a source of the truth and what is really going to last. When everything else settles, faults will be gone and the only thing that will be left is truth. I want to be on truth side. I want to be on this side of the deal. So, get rid as much as you can. Clear your mind at least of possibly preconceived ideas and misinformation old wives' tales, family traditions, stubborn beliefs, for just a few minutes, put them on hold. And ask God from his word to speak to you. Give God a chance today to 
bathe your minds and your souls with the cleansing flow that washes white as snow. Put your anger on hold. Put your prejudices on hold. Tell your bias to wait until after the message to pick them up again. Just check out for a few minutes and ask God to allow you to drink deeply of the living waters of the Word of God. Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, the first three chapters especially, is in the heavenlies. There is nothing human about the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians. Verses especially 3 through 14, as we concentrate on this morning, is one Greek sentence. Look at verse 3 through 14. Just look at it. It is one Greek sentence. It is the longest Greek sentence in any Greek writings known to man. That's big. In all of the classical Greek, in all of this uh, extent Greek, of secular Greek, or biblical Greek, it is simply the longest single sentence from verse 3 through 14. Its goal, I believe, is to overwhelm our skepticism, natural skepticism, our religious pride, our pharisaical pallor, to penetrate our hearts and minds with some life changing information straight off the press of heaven to you and to me. Let's look first of all as we survey verses 3 through 9 this morning quickly, and then we'll go back one at a time. Let's survey some verbs and some things that this speaks to us. There's seven thoughts as seven great pillars that are standing around us as a born-again Christian and protecting us and holding us things up around us, these seven great truths, these seven pillars. I remember over in Bethlehem, I went to a church over there in Bethlehem, and there was these massive pillars in this church. It was Greek Orthodox, and they lined down both sides of the of the uh, church. It was really impressive. How many people been there? Been to the church in Bethlehem? There's a few. Those, they were dirty. But which which I couldn't believe they let those things get dirty like that. But anyway, you know, cleaning. I, I like to. Clean. I'd get over there and ruin the whole archaeological goodness there because I clean it. I'd be the guy that got the five hundred thousand uh, dollar, seventeen sixty five Bostonian table, and I'd refinish it. But anyway, let me go real quickly on these and, and give you some of the verbi the verbs, the action of these verses. In verse 3, it says, He hath blessed us. In verse 4, it says, He hath chosen us. In verse 3, it says, "He ha-, And if I may add, He hath predestinated us. In verse 6, He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. In verse uh, uh, 7, In whom we have, or if I may say it this way, He hath redeemed us. In verse 8, He hath abounded toward us. In verse 9, he hath made no one unto us. There's a whole lot of good things that God's done for us in these verses. Seven mighty pillars of our salvation stand beside us, take the weight of this life off of us that's trying to crush us. These words ring out uh, through these mighty pillars. If God be for thee, 
Who can be against thee? I think of the words to the song uh, I love to hear. Fear not, I am with thee. Oh, be not dismayed. Boy, we want to be, don't we? I am thy God. I will still give thee aid. I will strengthen thee, help thee, and cause thee to stand. Upheld by my righteous, omnipotent hand. Brother, if God be for us, who can be against us? And let me say as born again believer, God is for you. Will you be for you? That's the question. Will you be for you? You've heard the old adage, you're your worst enemy, amen? God's got all these good things for us if we will but come. As he says, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. I've got the peace. You need me. Come, come, come. Shame on us for not coming. Shame on us when these great mighty promises that God has pronounced for us. He stuck his neck out for us. He's come forth for us. And we won't even take the effort to reciprocate his invitation. Or put our hand out while his hand out is, is towards us. We need to start living in conjunction with who we are instead of who we used to be. I mean, it's good to remember where you came from. It's good to remember how we've been saved. It's good to remember the pit we've been dug, according to Psalm 40, the miry clay which we've been taken out of and our feet been put upon the solid rock. Uh, God's established our goings. That's a good thing. But we need to also remember where we're going and what God's destined us for, and that'll help us to live the way he's destined us to live, which is a victorious life. What a better song. I never told him what song to pick this morning. Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. In verse 1, let me start with these seven pillars. The first one is he hath blessed us. Blessed be the God, our Father, Lord Jesus Christ, who, I hope you, I hope you mark your Bible, who hath blessed us. With what? With all spiritual blessings. Let's say if you and I fail in the Christian life, it's not because God hath not provided for us everything we need to succeed, brother. Don't ever, you'll never, there'll be no person, everybody to point a finger at God and say, you didn't love me the way you should have. You didn't provide for me the way you should have. You didn't give me the spiritual blessings that I needed to make it. Oh no. Oh no. No, no, no. It says he's provided. Look at that. He's blessed us. That means to be spiritually prospered with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. If you're part of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are blessed with all spiritual blessings. Oh, I know down here it gets tough and the pain's real, the sadness is heavy, the tears flow, but we ultimately are and have been an object of God's blessing. I got to hear that Jesus died for me, that he was buried, and he rose again the third day for my salvation. That's the best news ever go across anybody's lips into my ears. And then I got, by the grace of God, in humble faith, repented of my sin and trusted him as my personal Savior. And by faith, God saved me and put me into his kingdom. I'm blessed. 
If I got cancer and died a slow, miserable death, I'd still be blessed. Why? Because in the big picture, these things, former sufferings of this present time, will not even be remembered, nor come into mind. They're so insignificant compared to the eternity which I have ahead of me. Oh, when you're in them, it's like everything. The second thing I notice there is in verse 4, He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world. Now this is, people get confused about this. They shouldn't. In reality, God has chosen everyone to be saved. Listen to me. God has chosen everyone to be saved. And He has written their names in a book called the Lamb's Book of Life. Except for one small group that worshipped the beast in the tribulation period, which He specifically says their names were never written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But the indication is clear elsewhere in Scripture that everyone that ever takes a breath, their name at one time appears in the Lamb's Book of Life life. The problem is they reject Jesus one way or another in life or turn away from him or ignore him and their name eventually has to be blotted out of the Lamb's book of life. What a horrible day. By the way, that teaching I just mentioned to you is consistent theologically true from one end to the other. As we found in 1 Timothy 4.10 where it says, for their for we labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God. Listen, who is the Savior of all men? That's everybody that ever breathed, especially of those that believe. Think about the separation he just said there. He says he's the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. See, the Calvinists want to say, people, certain group want to say, oh, just the people, certain people were uh, predestined and chosen of God to go to heaven. This group over here predestined and chosen of God to go to hell. Guys, you know, there's something that doesn't sit right about that. Even the average man, something just don't sit right about that. The loving and kind God would predestinate them folks and without their any hope of being saved, send them to hell. No, I don't think so. And that's not the way the Bible teaches either. The Bible says that God's not willing that any should perish, 2 Peter 3, 9. Not any should perish. God's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Neither God means what he says or he, or he doesn't. And I believe God means what he says a whole lot better than humans mean what they say. Now, I think he's the inventor of all language, and he knows how to communicate. And he said he's not willing that any should perish. Does God get his way all the time? No. God gave us a free will starting with Adam. And God honors that free will even to the place of that free will human being rejecting the gift of eternal life, rejecting the blood of Jesus Christ given for their sin, and eventually having to answer for their own sin in a place called hell. What a sad case of affairs. That's what our whole job is where he said to the church before he went up into heaven, go ye into the world and preach a gospel to every creature. Now I've paid for the salvation of every human being that ever took a breath. I have, I have sealed the deal. I have been resurrected of all the people who said they were Messiah. I am the one. I am the truth. I am the way. Now go out there and just tell everybody about it. Your job is to go out there and tell everybody about it. I'll do the saving. You do the telling. Every name's written in the Lamb's book of life. You say, Brother Bill, I don't know. Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 14. Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 20. Revelation chapter 3, verse 5. Revelation chapter 22, verse 19. All four of those verses indicate what I just mentioned. In man's eyes, 
at the time of his rejection, he's lost. But in God's perspective, before the foundation of the world, he was lost. Not that God determined people to be lost or saved, but that he knew in his foreknowledge for whom he foreknew them, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. In other words, what basically God says is, I know the beginning and the end. Because I know the beginning and the end, there are no surprises to me. I look down through the, through the time and all the people that ever be born who would receive Christ as their Savior by faith, who would not. I chose those to be in me and in Christ, and as it were, already in the heavenlies as a done deal. And these that did not have to go to a place called hell and pay for their own sin for eternity. It is a done deal. But he did not determine them to do that. They chose. And indeed, he honored their free will as the Bible says. I believe entering into heaven, it reads at the front of the arch of heaven, whosoever will may come. I believe as you go through that arch and look back onto the arch, you say, chosen before the foundation of the world. It's perspective. From our perspective, it's whosoever will may come, and it's real. From the other perspective, as you're looking back, it's chosen before the foundation of the world. No contradiction, difference of perspective. Difference of perspective. By the way, the world knows nothing of this. They know nothing of this. They, this is a great mystery to them. They don't understand it until they come into faith in Christ Jesus and he helps them. By the way, having been predestinated has a whole lot more to do with the result of that being chosen in Christ. It's the result of it. It's to be what? To be holy and without blame. And without blemish. Do you ever picture yourself being without blame and without blemish? I mean, you know yourself. It'd take an outright miracle to make all the sins I've ever done as if they had never happened. That they were put under the blood. But someday when it comes time for me to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, I'm going to stand according to the Bible before Him, chosen in Christ, blameless. Woo! There'll be some shouting ground that day. Blameless? I, if my wife's standing beside me, she's going to have a hard time holding back. I remember, a, no. Whew. He's chosen us. We've been predestinated to the adoption of children. Again, that has a whole, lot, a whole lot more to do with the result of the predestination. We've been chosen to be children of Jesus Christ himself according to his good pleasure uh, it's God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Look in verse 5 there. He predestinated us. It's God's pleasure to give us the kingdom. God wants to grow you. And adoption is necessary before you get to the kingdom. This old world and the time you're here, evidently by God's sovereignty, is necessary for you as part of your training prior to getting the full adoption of the sons. According to Romans, which is a resurrection of our body, and we get a new body like unto his glorious body. Ooh, some of you old folks get and say, man, I need something new. I got all my joints replaced. Ooh. We are predestinated to be conformed to his image. That's where, the, that's where the emphasis ought to be. Oh, not predestinated before the foundation of the world. People say, well, you were chosen to go to heaven, chosen to go to hell. No, the emphasis is on the result that we were predestined to be conformed into his image. 
Praise God that He overrules in my life. Praise God that He's going to help me all the way to the end. Praise God He's not giving up on me. He's going to help me make it. So eventually I'll be made complete in Him. I'll be in His image. Well, you know, you, know, you may not even recognize me in heaven. Fourthly, you are accepted in the beloved. In verse 6, to the praise and glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the beloved. Another pillar. We're accepted in the beloved. You know, we got a lot of insecurities. We got a lot of insecurities. I, he I hear people's insecurities on a regular basis, we almost weekly. I have them come up even in my own soul and haunt me. How many here suffer sometimes from insecurity and be willing to raise your hand? Amen. It's true. It's just part of our human nature. Are we going to, we have a great need for acceptance. We just do. And deep within us often is buried, but it's real. God places one of these pillars around us to protect us from over suffering in the area of insecurity. He says we are, he hath made us. That's what God has done. He hath made us accepted in the beloved. Now you, I looked the word up accepted. That's an interesting word. It's the same word used in Luke chapter 1, verse 28, where the angel comes to Mary and says, Mary, you are highly favored. Same Greek word. The word accepted here is the same word used for Mary where it says highly favored. Now, any of you women will say Mary was highly favored as to be the mother of the, the vehicle by which the Lord Jesus would be born. Wow! And here it says, God hath made us accepted in the beloved. Highly favored in the beloved. Oh, I remember reading down through just recently the, the, the book of Daniel. And it always impacts me when I read through the book of Daniel. And, and the angel comes to Daniel and he says, oh, Daniel, highly beloved, greatly beloved. I go, oh, gee. when I read that, I stop. I say, Lord, could you, could you, would you talk about me like that? Would you say that about me? You say that about Daniel, greatly beloved. Oh, Daniel, in heaven, you're greatly beloved. Now, Daniel didn't think of himself that way. I, I said, oh, Lord, could you talk? And you know, from a young man, 18 years old and on, as I read that passage, I have been praying, God, someday help me to be in the position that Daniel, help me to have a heart like Daniel that pleased you so that you could say, oh, Bill, greatly beloved. We're highly favored. We're accepted in the beloved. Woo, not, not by our pride, but by humility. We've been given such a gift, this positional gift we've been given. Number five, the fifth pillar is found in verse seven, where it says, we have redemption through his blood. If I may say it this way, he hath redeemed us through his blood in whom we have redemption. The price for sin is the blood. There's been religions and, and false Christianities try to take the blood out of Christianity and out of the sacrifice of Christ, but you can't take the blood out of God's sacrifice when he said it was the blood that was required. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and life for life, if you sin, you must die. If you sin, you must shed your blood and die. And the only way that you're going to somehow 
not have that happen is by allowing Christ to substitute for you. Called the vicarious atonement of Christ, the substitutionary death of Lord Jesus Christ, where you come to him and say, may your death, may that account for me. And praise God, he'll be glad to do that and allow his death to take your place and you'll not have to answer for your sin. His blood will answer for your sin. Woo! But anyway, somebody coming to die for you, there isn't a greater privilege. But by the way, it's either you die for your sin or he died for your sin. It's one or the other. It's not three, four, five, six, seven other options. The universalists out there are wrong. There's not a lot of ways to heaven. There's but one way to heaven through the Lord Jesus Christ and his blood. Sixthly, we see in verse 8, he hath abounded toward us. Ooh. The word abound is an interesting word. Translated some places super abounded toward us. That means past anything you know. More than more. Better than best. Bigger than biggest. Larger than large. For, her, for you here that think you're poor and deserted and lonely, get this. Get this. Claim this to your soul. Ask God to help you see it. He said, he hath abounded toward you, toward us, with all wisdom and prudence. And then lastly, we see in verse 9 there, he hath made known unto us. It's beautiful that God doesn't leave us in the dark. God has not left us in the dark. He has, been, he has made known unto us what? The mystery of his will. We know things that the smartest people in the world don't know. I'm talking people, I'm talking about 15-year-old kids here today know things, if as born-again Christians and have read the Bible, that the smartest people in the Mensa society have no clue about and do not understand. God has allowed the people that have turned to Him in faith and allowed His blood to be theirs, He's allowed them to know the mystery of His will. Ooh, I like that. He's not left us in the dark. He solved the mystery. It'll be made known to you. As, as a guy over in Cape Coral said, the hugest secret that the world has ever seen. While the world's out there playing with chimps, thinking they're their daddy. Hasn't made God foolish, the wisdom of this world? Doesn't he take the, the wise who think they're so smart and the prudent who think they're so good, and he makes them fools by having them believe they came from a chimp, or worse than that, a primordial, uh, some sort of one-celled animal that, by the way, Darwin was absolutely wrong on, thought the cell was the simplest form of life, and now they found out that the cell is one of the most complex forms of life. He was that wrong, and yet people still follow his... What? I just read that in one cell there's 200 and something like 240 uh, different acids that have to be lined up exactly the right order for them to live. Impossible, actually, except there was a God. Except there's a God. He's made known to us the mystery of His will. Now, these seven pillars, are sta are, they stand up around us. My wife and I, a few years ago, took a ride through the redwoods of California. How many here have been through the redwoods of California? You've been through there, bro? You've been out there? You haven't been through there? Now, the next time you go, I want you to stop. 
take a couple extra days off, and I want you to go through the Redwoods. You were so close. L.A. is just south of the Redwoods. After you get out of L.A., you go north along Highway 1, and you go up north there, and you'll go through, I think it's something like, if Kathy's here, maybe like 200 miles of Redwoods. It may not be that big, but it seemed like it was that big. And now these Redwoods, folks, when I'm talking about Redwoods, I'm talking a small one is from here to the wall. And it's like standing among giants. It's like standing among ancients. My wife and I, as we drove through those redwoods, you know one thing that hit me hard? I am young. They, they core drilled the redwoods. You know, they count the rings. The young redwoods, 2,400 years old. The oldest one, 6,000 years old. And I go like, beep, 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 beep. that's the flood. That was a seed right after Noah. That seed floated the redwood, floated and got planted and began to grow right after the old, old uh, Noah got out of the ark. That began to grow. Maybe that's the old General Sherman. Maybe that's that one. I don't know if that's him or not. If you ever go there, go see General Sherman. And that thing is massive. And you stand beside these giants. That's what these pillars are. These are giants truths that God of all that is gives you as a born again believer and secures to your account and how dare we walk around as if we're defeated and as if we're beaten and the devil's the victor and the world's got me down when really ultimately if God before you nobody can beat you if you will just simply give him your life and say for me to live as Christ, to die as game, crucified with Christ, yet I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. It's all God. Number one, we've been blessed with all spiritual blessing. Number two, we've been chosen in him before the foundation of the world. Number three, we've been predestinated to be holy and without blame as his adopted child. Number four, we've are accepted. Remember, that's highly favored into the beloved. Number five, we are redeemed by his precious blood. Number six, he has superabounded toward us with wisdom and prudence. Number seven, he has made known unto us the mystery of his will. Whew! The devil comes by and tells you, you're shot. You're shot. You're helpless, hopeless, hapless. And if I could think of more words, you're, you're that too. But you're not. You're not. Though you may be weak, yet in our weakness, that's where God's made strong. You say, I can't do it. You've just eliminated the power of Almighty God. If you'll say, I can't do it, but if God wants me to do it, and He's bigger than everybody else, then we'll do it. I remember when I got called to preach, I just wanted to say, God, no, not me. No, no, you must have made a mistake. It can't be me. Some of you were saying, you should listen to God.
Will you recognize the beauty of these seven pillars? Put your hands upon them and feel the smooth, polished stone of their power. Because these are not man-made. These are from heaven. Father, we pray this morning you'd help us understand and be encouraged by these things that thou hast written. But not just words put in a book, not just supernaturally preserved for almost 2,000 years against the weather and against enemies and against people who wanted to see these things destroyed, and yet they've survived and never all of those people have died and are gone. Kings have risen to try to destroy and extinguish the words of God. The word of God exists and they are gone. And that's the way it's going to be throughout history. The only ones left will be those who say, yes, God, you are who you say you are. Jesus Christ did die for my sin. I believe it. Help thou my unbelief. May I put my faith upon you. Father, we pray there be one in this room, two in this room this morning, say, I need to put Christ number one in my life. I need to quit giving in to the winds of doubt and the winds of fear and the winds of, of anger and the winds of my own me, me, me. And I need to give in to the things that you are doing, the things of God, and love you, trust you, be obedient to you, seek to please you, read the Word of God, and ask you to help with follow. Father, we pray today that you do your work. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm just a sinner, saved by grace. When I stood condemned to death, he took my place. I'm nothing but a sin.